Welcome to the Fit Aviators Club podcast, where aviation, fitness, and mindset meet to improve the balance of your health and quality of life in aviation. This is your host, Fernando Contreras, and let's get to it. been in a conversation that is so good that you lose track of time next thing you know you're about three hours in well this podcast is not that long but today i got to talk to andrew DaCosta, the genuine person behind the instagram page of pilot drew we get to share so many topics that we talked amongst ourselves that we want the whole audience to be able to grasp this we talked about pilot's identity. We talked about struggles. We talked about mental health. We talked about health and fitness, of course. And we talked about the true purpose behind the social media and what we're trying to provide for other people. This was an awesome and genuine episode that I get to really get to know Andrew DaCosta and what he stands for. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by the D2 Garmin Aviation Watch Line. The X10 and the Mach 1 are fantastic aviation watches, not only providing you with all fantastic stats of aviation, but also keeping your fitness tracking and monitoring on the go makes it so easy, so simple, and absolutely a ton of information that you can use to take your fitness to the next level. Andrew DaCosta, man, thank you so much for joining here in the Fit Aviators Club podcast, man. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me, Fernando. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, awesome, dude. Um, so I just want to start off first. Congratulations on being on a legacy airline, man. How does it feel? Ah, oh, thanks. I it's uh, it's surreal. You know, I, I still to this day. Uh, look back and like how how did this happened even like going through training I'm like is this is this real did they really pick me am, am i am i supposed to be here <laughs> but um now that i'm starting to get into the flow of things uh just consolidated flying the uh the 220 uh just getting through those first 100 hours so now uh now i get to enjoy myself um the schedules have been really good nothing to really complain about um just super super fortunate super happy and um yeah you know it's, it's a dream. <laughs> really happy for you, man. That's that's incredible. Uh, so, how are you liking the two hundred and twenty? Tell me about that. I I love it. I I genuinely love that airplane. Um, coming from the Embraer one hundred and forty five, uh, uh, great an air, great airplane in itself. But the uh, the two hundred and twenty has auto throttles. It has state of the art equipment. Uh, those massive screens. Uh, we have uh, our uh, VNAV, so we can actually uh, shoot. Uh, yeah, I can, you know, going on approaches and all those different things. It's uh, the plane does a lot of the work for you. Um, just so much more. Uh, it's so much better for situational awareness. Um, overall, it's a it's a wonderful airplane. I really like it. And one of my favorite things about it, it's got a window in the bathroom. That's pretty cool. <laughs> no way, dude. Yeah, that's yep. awesome. That is great. You know, sometimes you need a little view in there. And, you know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, that's cool, man. I, dude, I totally agree with, you know, I flew the 145 also. And let me ask you this. Do you prefer, does it make you more situational aware when you're doing all that work in the 145 or when you're having a lot more, you know, uh, automation? You know, I think automation could be your best friend, but also at least in the 145, I was very, 
you know, not to say that I'm a less, I'm, I'm, you know, less into it, but uh, being on the 145, you're really like making sure that, you know, the, you're on speed, you're making sure that you're going to make the next mm -hmm. gate, uh, especially like on a star or if you're on a tailwind, let's say like the J fun Two, like going into Boston, things like that. Yeah. Uh, that was always like the big things to be cognizant of. Um, but the cool thing about the 220 is we have a, uh, you can see the vertical path of where the aircraft is going to go. Um, you might get sometimes that the airplane might be, able to, might be able to slow down in time. And that's one of those things where you have to be able to manage your airspeed. Uh, something else that I realized about the A220, it is a very, very slick airplane. It does not like going down and slowing down. As I'm sure you know, flying the 737, I'm sure it's the same way. Mm -hmm. um, but um, overall, it's been a great airplane. And um, you know, I'm really happy to have you on it. That's awesome, dude. I, I think that coming from an airplane that didn't have auto throttles and VNAV and all that, you have kind of like this uh, mental, you know, gears are still turning in, in the background. You know, you're, you're still kind of mm -hmm. almost calculating the descent, see how it's going to do it. And, and I, remember, I remember when I went through the 175, I was still calculating the descent just to make sure it's going to hit that because all VNAVs are not the same. You know, the 737's VNAV is complicated, but once you learn how to use it, it's 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 awesome, you know. Uh, you just gotta kind of know what the airplane's gonna be doing. But that mental math that you used to do on the one forty five comes in handy when you're just like, oh, oh absolutely, shoot. yeah, you know. And I think flying the one forty five was a really awesome plane, super great like transition jet from at least for me it was from flight instructing to you know now bigger jets. But I loved it. I it was a great starter it. jet. It was yeah. absolutely great starter jet. Yeah. You know, talking about manual flying, like that's, you know, really getting into it in uh, hours, building hours on that airplane, like just being able to be like one with the airplane. It was, it was a great, it was a great airplane. Yeah. I, I liked oh, yeah. it a lot. I love the manual stuff. I want to know how, what was your journey like to get to where you are now? Where'd you go to flight school? How'd you start? Well, I was, I was all over the place. Uh, when I was 18, I wanted to fly airplanes, but I wanted to pick a more, I went a more traditional route through college. I tried to be a civil engineer. I did that first semester, realized I hated it. Uh, I went to community college after that for two years to build my experience flying airplanes because that's what I ultimately I wanted to do. But in the course of those two years, I was only able to get my private pilot's license. We had like three airplanes for 40 students. So I was flying maybe once, twice a week. And, and you know how it is when you're in your flight training, you just got to get the reps in. You got to fly, you got to fly, you got to mm -hmm. fly. So when I'm not flying, that's when it became more difficult. So I got discouraged um, after, especially after two years going through the rest of the curriculum, this uh, 141 program program, going through the rest of the curriculum. And just the only thing holding me back was the flying. So I decided, you know what, flying is great, but I want to go back into engineering. Did that for three and a half years, graduated, became an engineer, did that for a year, realized, well, this whole nine to five life kind of, it's not for me. I don't think I like it very much. So I put all my eggs in one basket. I went to ATP, got the rest of my ratings from instrument, commercial, multi-engine. And, um, yeah. And then from there I did odd jobs. I never flight instructed, but, uh, you know, here I am six years later and flying for a legacy. It's uh, it's a dream come true. That's a journey, man. Damn. Congratulations. Thanks. That is, Thank that you. is, you know, hard work. And so, so you also have a engineering degree. Yes. That is absolutely amazing. See, I started out with civil engineer too, but I was like, nah, I'm not going to do this. Cause I was trying to play baseball. I was trying to make it to college baseball. I was trying to make it pro and, when I went to the counselor and she was like, yeah, you have to learn, like, you have to take law, thermodynamics one and two and like yep. fluid mechanism. And I was like, 
how am I supposed to fit this with baseball practice? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some people do it though. I'm just not that great at both. <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't. I couldn't juggle it either. I tried. Uh, I was. I rode in in college for a semester, and waking up at five a.m. to go to practice. It just. Uh, you know, I was. I was sleeping throughout the day, and I was. You know, showing up to classes unprepared and uh, just super yeah. like tired. And I'm like, I, I. I can't. I can't do both. So. Well, dude, rowing, rowing. I mean, if you're out in the sun, dude, that's a lot of like, that's a lot of work. I'm sure you get super tired off of that. Oh yeah. Um, at least for me, when we started, uh, I, I started in the spring semester. So, and I only did it for a semester, but when I started, it was 20 degrees outside up in the Northeast. Uh, so we did, we did everything indoors. So we worked on the, uh, the, the concept two machines, the erg machines, the rowing machines that you see at the, at the gyms. Mm -hmm. And worked on technique and all that stuff and building the endurance. And then after a few months, when it finally started to warm up, we got to go outside. We got to go in the boat and actually learn how to row. And it is difficult, especially being in a boat with seven other people and trying to stay in sync. And if you're not, if one person is off, it's going to throw off the whole boat. And that's it. Yep. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible, man. That's uh, we uh, we went. Uh, we just did a little bit of rowing in, in canoe, not really rowing, but we went on a canoe and just kind of did our thing in Montenegro, Jess and I, and dude, just, just her and I trying to get coordinated was like, all right, well, one, two, three, go. Yep. It was not that easy, no, bro. No, it's, it's tough. <laughs> it's really tough, but it, it makes you appreciate actually seeing it on the water and seeing everybody in sync. And when everyone's in sync, that boat moves and it is really cool. It's a really cool experience to be a part of that and, and to move with everyone on a boat and, and be in sync. It's uh, something special, but it wasn't, an, it wasn't for me. I uh, realized early on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's incredible, dude, because uh, that's definitely a tough sport. I think that and water polo are very challenging. But um, so go, going back to remember when we were both at the regionals, there was one specific day when I was flying through Charlotte and you just happened to walk by and recognize each other. Yeah, yeah. Right. That was cool. That, like, that's probably one of the coolest things about social media. You know, we, we, we yeah. became, you know, social media friends for what, like maybe a year before that point. And, you know, yeah. commenting back and forth, uh, some messages here and there. And uh, yeah, one day I was out. What was I was floating outside of a uh, Starbucks. I forget what terminal it was, but I'm like, hey, I know that guy. Yeah. And I was like, and then I went up to you, gave you a bear hug, and I was like, man, this guy's solid. <laughs> this this guy is is as jacked as he seems online. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. I I don't want to disappoint people, you know. <laughs> well, that's dude. I thought that that was a great encounter too, because you know a lot of people with social media, we get the opportunity to meet people all over the place and it's super cool but when you have like this cool um you know friendship that you have through instagram you know through messages and you feel how genuine somebody is and you finally get to meet them i think it makes the experience that much more cooler and you know and it'd it be the start of a great friendship you know because the the aviation lifestyle you never know who you're going to become really great friends with in what encounter who might run by your life that you can possibly have a great friendship with even if you don't live in the same place. Right, exactly. Right. And I, and I think that's the cool thing about one of the positive things about social media that that uh, is able to do this. Um, I'm still waiting so, for a Miami overnight to hang out with you, though. <laughs> oh, yes. You know, it'll be packed with a lot of fun things oh, yeah. to do, man. Go for runs yeah. on the beach or something. Try to keep up with you. Yeah. That's, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Then go get an acai bowl after oh, that go. and then just hang out by the beach. Get some authentic tacos. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Speaking about Instagram and social media, 
you started this because by the time I followed you, you already had a pretty big following it. And I kind of wanted to know like what got you into the social media, trying to get it started and what's the message behind it? First of all, I, I look on, on, to see the numbers and I'm like, how, I don't know how, how any of this happened. I did, I generally like went into it just like just posting. Um, my, my account was private for a very long time, but I know when I, before I got into flying again and I was working day in and day out as an engineer and I was like, I really want to fly airplanes. I followed a few, uh, I think one was a, an American airlines pilot. Um, I filed, filed, uh, followed a guy from JetBlue. I followed a few people in Europe. I followed captain Joe, and mm. I, you know, looking through their stuff, it really just like, it gave me that motivation. Like, you know, like, look, like what they're doing is it's so cool. Like, I want to know what life of a pilot is really like, because there's so much you can read online, but to actually, especially if you don't have anybody who's in the industry and not knowing where to go, just being able to go on social media and just go through posts and, and go through um, people like videos that people post. Like it builds an understanding of what that life is really like. Granted, everything isn't, you know, it's not always sunshine and rainbows, but you also, and, and posting negative things is usually going to give you a negative review. People don't want mm -hmm. to hear people, you know, if you had a bad day, people don't want to hear about it because people see it as, oh, well, you're living the dream. And if you had a bad day, like, how dare you? Like, I'll, I would do anything to be in that position. Right. So yeah. I try to be as genuine as possible in social media. But going back to when I was still, uh, before I got into the industry, just seeing all everything that these people are doing. And, and it got me excited. I generally, I was generally excited going post to post. And whenever somebody posted something, I'd get super, like, just get really into it and be like, you know, this, this is really what I want to do. And it, and it kept me going. So, um once I started flying at uh, my previous airline, I, I just started posting. I was just goofy, just being myself. And um, and then I, something crazy happened. People started following me. I, I just <laughs> I don't I don't know how it happened, but um, you know now I, I get to look back and reflect on everything, and it's 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 a, it's a lot of fun. I, I like posting videos. I like you know learning more about the photography and the videography side of things and, and trying to provide value to people. So if I can create a video that gives you a genuine look on what a life is of a pilot is like, then that's, that, that's, that's the goal. So, and then I get to meet awesome yeah. people, you know, I like you like get to do crazy <laughs> things like this. This is awesome. Like this is yeah. this a dream, man. Exactly. It's there's, there's so many benefits. And uh, you know, when I first saw, I uh, came across your page, the first thing that I noticed is this is a genuine person really describing the reality of like just really being in an, in the airline. And then three, the uh, you are, you have a good sense of humor. And so watching your story, seeing your post, you can, you can sense a good, uh, like a good vibe. Uh, uh, it's light, you know, it makes people want to watch it, but it also comes across very genuinely because you're just describing your day, whether this happens, that happens. You don't only talk about the great things. You only mentioned like, Hey, yeah, I got called at 3 AM. That sucks. But Hey, at least we're, you know, we're enjoying the sunrise and we're going to do this. And you post really cool things about it. That's when I knew like, Hey, this guy is a genuine dude because you compare sometimes like another social media account that might only post certain things because this is all about perspective from, from the viewer. Right. And, and a lot of the times people who post like the, the own the page may think that they're doing 
something genuine, but you have to think about it from the view, viewer's perspective. If I'm only posting things where like, it's great, this is awesome, like there's nothing else like this airline life, which there isn't, but there's nothing better than this, then the, like you said, the minute you post something bad about it, it might be like, oh, how dare you? Like this, this nothing like this, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, but it's, it's all about, you know, it's all about at the end of the day, mindset and perspective. Yeah. I, I remember uh, we were, this is at my previous airline. We were, we were delayed. This is like leg four of leg four and we were delayed and the captain and I were both like, you know, it was wearing on us a bit. And we were starting to get a little frustrated with just the way that things were going for the day. And um, the ramper connected to the airplane and started talking to us. And um, he said, hey, like, Andrew, like, I, I recognize you from Instagram. I'm like, oh, thanks, man. Like, you know, nice to meet you. And he's like, yeah, you know, I, I just started flying. Like, I'm in the process of getting my private. Like, you know, like, it's like I get really, I'm really excited to, to like, you know, get going. And then it made me think, like, wow, like, this person would do anything to be in my position. And here I am, you know, like in a bad mood, like, and then I, and then it like kind of sets you back. I'm like, wait a second, what am I doing? Like I'm getting paid to fly airplanes. Like this is, it's doesn't get better than that, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, again, it's mindset. It's always, it's all about mindset. Absolutely. Absolutely. But two things there, man, like one, the power of influence, like, you clearly had influence with, with this person who recognized you and is starting how to fly and just wanted to share his experience with you. It probably meant so much for him to be able to do that with you. But then also too, it's kind of like, okay, the reality is it's the last day, fourth leg. We want to go home. Like I'm getting kind of tired. It's real. That stuff is real. But that just that action of the ramper saying, Hey, I recognize you. I'm starting to fly. Total change of state total change of mindset, just like you said. And that's an incredible, incredible humbling experience, dude. That's awesome. It's, it's, it's so humbling. Anytime anybody like, you know, like breaches out to me and sees me in an airport and just wants to have a quick chat. It's, 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 it's so humbling, you know, just being able to yeah. share my experience yeah. with others and them being able to, you know, come up to me and have a conversation. Like it's, 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 it's like, I love it. I love everything about that. You know, just being the aviation community is so small, but I can see how lonely it can feel if you're, if you just getting into it or know nothing about it and want to see, you know, the next steps or things that you can do and just being able to talk to people. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a great feeling. It is. And it also gives a lot of information to people who are upcoming, right? Inspiring pilots. Absolutely. And, um, you know, there's this, there's this huge trend going along that, you know, we're in a huge hiring wave right now. This happens every 25 to 30 years, and it's an incredible moment to be in aviation right now. But it always wasn't like this, mm -hmm. right? There's, you, we talk with, with pilots who are more senior to us and have lived through the aviation ages with when that 20 to 25 years, there wasn't much movement. There were furloughs, there were, you know, recessions and things like that. And, and it always hasn't been as lucrative as it is now. To, to a, a, a good point to mention is also for the people who are following and seeing everything in social media is that it's not always going to be like that. Right. And some people get lucky. They catch the wave very early and they get good seniority. And when those things externally happen that, that happen that we don't have control of, furloughs, et cetera, you still have the possibility to be employed 
And depending on where you fall in that seniority, your quality of life is going to be a certain way Absolutely. for years or for months, who knows? Um, but it's, it's a very important thing to, to address that, you know, bonuses and quality of life. And it's, it wasn't always like that. Right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember talking to a recruiter, um, back in 2019 before the pandemic ever happened. And this recruiter told me that they were at a job fair and there was a couple of, of potential pilots or, you know, they were, they're shopping around and, and trying to talk to different recruiters. And, uh, this recruiter mentioned the airline that they work for saying like, Hey, are you interested? And those potential pilots looked at, looked at her and they scoffed and said, no, thanks and walked away. And wow. I, it makes me think like it's, and, and then what's funny is, you know, when, when the pandemic happened, I'm sure there's some of these pilots were like, I'll take any job because mm -hmm. I, the first person to hire me, like I'll go there. And mm -hmm. it's, it really is all about perspective. I mean, you look, you look back 10, 10, 20 years ago, and I feel like I'm not the person to, to really say this because I, I, you know, I wasn't in that situation, but I, you know, it wasn't unheard of to needing 3000 hours to get to an airline or having to pay for your own training, having to pay for your ATP, having to pay for your hotels, you know, just having the opportunity to get to an airline, to fly a jet and get paid to do it. You know, people would have done anything for that. And for that reason, you know, people were making very little money. Some people, some pilots were on food stamps and, and, and they were commuting like these, these crazy commutes, you know, transcons and, right. um, you know, uh, and, and, or having to pick up other work out, like outside of flying. Like it's, it was a yeah. very real thing. Yeah. And, and there is potential that we can always get back to a point, you know, we know, we don't, I don't know what's going to happen in 10 years, but you know, right. something like that could happen again. And if it does like, well, what are you, what are you going to do? And that's why I think it's mm -hmm. important to have a backup plan. Like I, I hope I never have to go back into engineering, but I know God forbid if I have to like the, the an, an option is there, but um, it really is about perspective. And I think you have to know where you came from and realize that, you know, be careful who you talk to about certain things, because if you come in and, and you're bushy tailed, like wide eye, you're just starting at a regional airline and you start, you know, bad mouthing it being like, Oh, we should get paid more X, Y, Z like that captain that you're flying with. Like, you know, you don't know what they went through. You, 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 you yeah. don't, you don't know the, yeah. the suffering. You don't know the, the sacrifice that that pilot went through. And I think that's important is perspective. It's perspective and knowing where we've gotten and, where we might potentially go and, and just being thankful for the, every opportunity that you have and just try to take that in stride and try to learn from every pilot that you fly with on, you know, how things have been and how things could be. And yeah. Yeah, dude, I, I agree because uh, everything that you said is absolutely, I couldn't have said it better, better myself. And, you know, people come into aviation with different backgrounds and my background, everybody in my family have been pilots internationally and, well, most all of them internationally. And um, dude, w w the things that my dad went through in, in international airlines, that was like, welcome to the jungle. You know, from one day to another, you could, the, the, the owner of the airline just would leave, would leave and take all the money and nobody would get paid. And now you're like, okay, well, what do I do? Right. And, and so I grew up learning all that. My dad kind of talked me through, okay, like th these are the things that can happen in aviation and you got to be ready. You got to be resourceful because something happens, dude, where you can't keep your medical certificate or you can't keep, you get furloughed, whatever it is. What are you going to do? 
Exactly. And a lot of people that I speak with, when they get caught off guard by that, there's no there's no plan. There's no plan in motion. And then when it happens, it's kind of late to start because everybody's doing the same thing. Like you have you have a great great backup plan as an engineer. I mean, if something were to happen and you got to go to engineer, that's still a great paying career. Absolutely great. I'd be starting at square one because <laughs> entry level, well, like I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, just put me, but, put me in but, an office. Just I'll figure it out. I guess. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, still, dude, you you'll be part of a team that you're doing something with other engineers, and and eventually it'll catch up, mm-hmm. right? Rather than if you don't have a backup plan. And the cool thing about with you know being a pilot is that a lot of the opportunities are endless. Is what other options you have to have a plan on the side if something were to happen mm-hmm. you know i you you've spoken with so many pilots and so have i and anything from owning businesses to owning that and running this and it's incredible the amount of things that you could do but there's resources out there and it's better to be well prepared when something like that happens again than not right what would you say is the weirdest side job that you've heard of a pilot having only fans. <laughs> really? <laughs> I was going to say, that's pretty risky. <laughs> that is risky. Nah, I'm just kidding. Dude, I actually, I don't know. I don't know. Um, most of them that I have heard were, have been like just business owners or, you know, uh, entrepreneurs that are just trying to start their own thing or open a franchise. But, but what about you? What was the weirdest you've heard? Well, not, not so much weird, but a lot of financial advisors, you know, like a lot of people who are like, oh yeah, you have questions about finances? I got you. Like I got, I got a business yeah. for that. Uh, someone who worked in word working, that's pretty cool. And I was okay. like, hey man, you should get into TikTok. There's like a whole thing with like woodworking. He's like, I'm not going to go to TikTok. I'm like, you should, you know, you never know what can happen yeah. if you go to TikTok. Absolutely. But um, yeah, yeah, there's, there's power in social media, but there's also, you know, some negatives to it, but you just got to know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So what's your, what's your vision for your page moving forward? I mean, you you have a lot of people who truly admire you and, uh, and look up to you and, 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 you know, as the world evolves, so do, so do we have to evolve with things that we post and things that we are trying to send the message with. So what's your vision for the, for the page starting from now? Well, it was interesting, you know, for a long time, it was photos, 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 and then uh, Instagram trying to compete with TikTok. We're like, we're going to push reels now. So, um, it, that getting out of my comfort zone and starting to post videos, uh, I've learned, I really enjoy the editing process. I, I enjoy the okay. idea of telling a story. And, um, so realistically, like what I would like to do is like, I've, I, I put a lot of the money that I've made from social media back into social media to create like cameras and, uh, lenses and software and uh, courses to get better at photography and videography and cinematography. So I would like to eventually get into a place where I can work with clients outside of my social media as a freelancer for video editing or something like that. Just a fun little side hustle. Um, but I want to be able to tell tell stories. Um, you know, I've, I've said I was going to join YouTube forever ago and um and I still want to get into YouTube. I just, you know, there's, I don't know what it is about there's like hump up, just, just post a video. But, um, I, uh, I guess I'm, I'm, a, I'm very much a perfectionist, so I want to make sure that it's perfect. But 
everything that I've read is like, just post a video, just do it. Like it, it'll, it'll eventually yeah. like, you know, it's just, just, just tell a story and, and just be authentic, be yourself. So, um, I think eventually I want to transition to more quality over quantity, um, and just mm-hmm. be able to, to, to tell a story, be able to inspire people to get into aviation, show people what it's like in this profession and, um, try to figure out a way to impact or get my message out to more people. Um, unfortunately, you know, I, I get DMs pretty often and a lot of them are the same questions over and over and over again. Like, how do I become a pilot? How do I do this? How do I do that? And sitting there and responding to every single person is very tedious. And it's unfortunately, yeah. we don't have enough time in the day to do that. Um, mm-hmm. um, but just figuring out a way to be able to tell my story and I see some of these creators, um, and I'll, I'll name some names like uh, Paul. Uh, right now, there's there's a guy who works uh, for United. His name's Paul, um, and his page is My Layover Life. If you see it on uh, YouTube, dude, his videos great. are amazing. He's great at telling great. stories, and like when I watch his videos, I'm like, wow, like that that is that that quality is amazing. The storytelling is amazing, and genuinely good dude, and. I uh, just want to be able to do more things like that. So we'll see. We'll see how things go. But uh, for now, I'm just learning just very much uh, in the early phases of that. So how about you? What do you want to, what do, you want to do? Yeah, dude, I think it's it, what makes everything exciting to continue to deliver content is something that you have to be passionate about, but also think continue to think ahead, right? Uh, just like how you said, you want to get into the videography, cine- cinematography, and all that stuff. It's just to provide better content, like how you're taking the, the money that you're earning now and putting it right back in. I'm doing the exact same thing, how I got this podcast started. And, and, and just because we want to truly deliver better content for people. We, I, my goal is to deliver information as much as I can to everyone so that they can make the best decisions possible on health, fitness, whatever it is. And I've, you know, I've gone from personally training people online to training uh, aerobatic pilots to training uh, airline pilots and corporate pilots. And that, that is just one avenue. The podcast is another one, you know, uh, and then eventually sponsorships will come in. But the main goal is for me to just continue doing what I'm doing, stay genuine, provide the content that's useful for people. And and then, you know, see, see what comes along with it. And can I just say, you're, you're doing an amazing job with, with everything. Like I, I've taken, so I found, I found so much value in the, in the things that you post. And even when it comes to like my meal prep, I'm like, well, Fernando does it this way. So maybe I should do it this way too. Like I bought those, um, what, what, what are those, uh, that material type bags that easily silicon, silicone. Yeah, silicon bags. Yes, yeah. Yes. Because it, it, it definitely saves, it saves so much space and that Tupperware Right. It, it, you know, it starts to add up space. Like you only have a limited amount of space. It's funny when I was, when I was at the regional, I had, I used to carry, I think like, I don't, I don't know how they, how they, uh, the page, like how they describe it. It's like the, like 18 cans, uh, for like, it was like a Yeti oh, container, yeah. like 18 can Yeti, yeah. Yeti container. And it was obnoxious <laughs> because, you know, being on a four day <laughs> trip and trying to pack all that food for a four day trip, I had this massive Yeti cooler. And now that, um, I'm at a legacy carrier. I was like, I probably shouldn't be carrying around this massive, you know, this massive container, like just like a nice subtle, you know, like lunchbox right. should be, should be okay. But right. trying to pack all right. that stuff is it's tough. It's tough. It is though. It is, it is man. And you know, it's, it, I'm glad you, you, uh, you, you took advantage of that because it really helps people bring more food 
because of the space that they save. And also you're not like pulling a shoulder, carrying all those Tupperwares inside that bag, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's, it's, uh, I'm glad you took that advice. And a lot of people have, that's one of the most popular things I get about, um, the, the, the posts that I make regarding the silicone bags, but I wasn't the one to invent that. I actually knew a lot of pilots who did it before I did it because I was doing containers before because I was lazy and I would put only my food already prepped good to go so that I could just put it in the microwave and then get it out and go to my flight. Mm-hmm. But man, I was, I noticed that I wasn't taking enough food. I was under calories. Not that I count my calories, but I could just tell my energy just wasn't the same. Right. And um, when I was like, you know what? A lot of other friends that are also into fitness that are also pilots, they're doing this. I'm going to try. And having an open mind about that, dude, changed the game. So completely. So let's say you're on a four-day trip. How do you make sure you eat enough calories for a day? I don't know. It's tough. I do it based. It's tough because I don't count them. Mm-hmm. If I did count them, I would have a way better idea. But I only know how much I burn because of the Garmin that I use. So I have an idea of how much I'm burning and I have a sort of idea how much I'm consuming, but I don't think it's enough. I really don't think it's enough. And, uh, I try to bring as much as I can to fit in there, but sometimes you don't even have time to eat. Yeah. You know, that's true. Sometimes, and it, it's, it's normal. Like you can't keep like a perfectly structured eating habit in aviation. And if you do think that way, you're going to be led to disappointment because it's just, you got to be able to go with the flow and, you know, be able to fit in those meals when you can. Just getting enough sleep sometimes. Like I've had trips that start at one, two o'clock in the afternoon. And by day three, by day four, you're starting or like day one, you're, you're ending at like nine, 10 o'clock at night. And then by day four, you're starting at like waking up at three 30 in the morning for a four 30 report, right. you know? Right. Um, so even just getting enough sleep and, and trying to That's tough. fix your sleep cycle. So, so what do you do for managing rest? Because you also, I've seen a lot of, in your Instagram, you, you take health and fitness very seriously and you try to do it when you can and incorporate it in your lifestyle. So how do you manage, uh, rest when you, when you're on your trips? Uh, big thing is definitely mitigating caffeine. Um, I find that if I drink caffeine later in the night, obviously you're not going to be able to sleep or get adequate sleep. Um, another thing too, you can try at least what it, what has worked for me is just getting a small workout, even if it's like uh, 30 minutes on a treadmill, um, that generally helps, especially if I had a long day, um, or you ever just, just trying to wind down, um, maybe like an hour before bed, just get off the screen, but I'm really bad with that. That's something that I'm trying to get better at. Cause I'm always, I'm always on the phone and I look at my screen right. time. It's like, I've been on screen for 11 hours today how did that happen Um, i definitely find myself um consuming way too much content and that's something in 2023 that i'm trying to change is to step away from social media a little bit more and be more present um for the sake of my girlfriend i know she's uh said you're not very present like we're we're hanging out (laughs) like we're hanging out on the couch watching a movie she's like you're not present i'm like okay you're right like yeah you know But um, yeah, how about you? How do you mitigate sleep? Dude, um, it depends. It, it really all depends. But most of the time, just like how you said, I try to get my body to get in synchronization with the light. So everything about your hormonal circadian rhythm, you know, trying to get like really dark, 
30 minutes to an hour before you go to bed. But like you, like I'm on the screen too. And you know, it's not just about looking at videos. It's not just about looking at content is like, we're always learning. So we may be looking at something educational that the only time we have to do something that day is right at night, right before we go to bed. Right. So what I've tried doing is like, I'll start trying to like get my studying done. And then 30 minutes before I go to sleep, have chamomile tea, and then just like lower all the lights and just kind of like bring, trying to secrete that melatonin and just tell my body like, Hey, it's time to wind down and go to sleep. What I found is that when I go from like very hyperactive to, I need to go to sleep. Doesn't work. Like for me, I, I just can't do it. So I toss and turn a lot. I need that like winding down part. But you know, when I, when I, when I also manage my nutrition, my fitness, it also involves and all three incorporate with your rest as well. You know, for me, if I work out late at night, I'm going to be bouncing off the walls, dude. Like, I'm going to be like, let's go. You know, I'm not going to get that out. energy. You got that high metabolism. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, and also if I don't eat properly, I'll be feeling either too tired or, or too much energy. So it's really all a balance and it. And I kind of do it day by day. I really listen to my body to see how it's reacting and what do I need to do in order for it to be at its best optimum working efficiency and that sounds very easy but it's so fucking hard yeah because there's a lot that you need to know about not just about your body but about scientifically what happens in your body and you know if i do this in trial and error is totally fine to do as well because that's one of the only ways to find out what works for you as well you know right I know the big thing for me and something that I've had issues with is if I don't meal prep, it like it, it starts from the very beginning. It starts from mm -hmm. not, um, you know, not giving myself enough time to meal prep and not, and by doing that, I start a trip and now I'm eating like crap because, or I'm eating Grubhub or, or you know, DoorDash or all these different things. And it's like, well, I want to eat something that like is going to give me comfort because I always found food to be comfort, like bring me comfort. So I'm eating things right. that I shouldn't be eating on overnights and then I feel like crap. And then that escalates to, I don't really feel like working out today. Like I, I, I had a long day. I think I earned it to just like rest. And then it kind of cascades. It's like, it's like one, one with, you know, it just, it just, it snowballs and it's all, sure. it's starting from, yeah. it starts from the mindset. So I think yeah. the big thing is to, you know, just try to mitigate your time correctly. And, and if you make one mistake, that doesn't necessarily mean that you, it, you know, like you're, you're done. Like I, you could still, right. you know, eat salad with a high protein, you know, like chicken or turkey or mm -hmm. something. There, there are options. Got to get creative sometimes. Right. It's, it's doable. Uh, absolutely. And, and you mentioned like it starts at the beginning, right? And it's the way I've mentioned that to other people before. It's just like the metaphor is a stabilized approach leads to a way better landing than an unstable approach, right? It starts at, you know, your, your descent on final and you're coming in and, the more stable that is, the more chances you're going to have a greater, a better landing than if it, it's a, it's unstable. It's the same thing when you, your body works the same way. You're trying to just have something stable, but it everything around you in aviation makes it unstable. Mm -hmm. So you, as the pilot, you, as you in control of your own body, those things that you can do to bring your body to more stable, it, play a big role, no matter how small it is, because those little things add up, little habits create big, big results. So, um, 
That's usually what I tell them. And then they're like, oh, shit. Yeah, well, that makes sense. <laughs> well, to build on your metaphor, if you're on a, like, before you start the approach, you, t- you brief the approach, right? So you're, 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 <laughs> exactly. mid- you're briefing the risks. So go, well, what are some of the risks? Well, some of the risks right, are, right. If, I don't, if I don't have enough time to cook, then I'm going to be eating like crap. What's another risk? Well, yeah. if I eat too much, drink yeah. too much caffeine or don't get enough sleep, I'm going to feel like crap. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, it's a lot. Or drink enough water. That's a big one too. A lot of the time, not not being able to rest, not having good hormone secretion, even even weight loss is is contributing with with uh, hydration. So your body performs diff way differently when you're hydrated rather than when you're not. And it's like water. I know sometimes water is kind of boring, which it is. But you can have like uh, hydration supplements that just carry simple electrolytes and some that don't have any sugar. Right. And by no means is this sponsored by this company that I'm about to mention, but there's this comp. No, no, no. It's called LMNT or Element. It's Lima Mike November Tango. And I mean, pure electric sodiums, uh, magnesium, whatever all the other ones are. I can't think of them at the top of my head. Concentrated in this electrolyte powder with zero sugar. Zero. And that's, that's awesome. I think that's, you know, it gets a little taste in your mouth, whatever, whatever. It's, it's pretty good. And you said it's, it's called um, Element? Some people pronounce it Element, but the actual name of the company is L-M-N-T. Okay. So. I heard a big they're, one they're too really is, is magnesium. Like we don't have enough magnesium and it's very important mm-hmm. to yeah. consume magnesium. I've been learning it a is, lot dating is. a personal trainer. She, she's taught me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. You got your personal, personal trainer. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of the times that people, I have a conversation and they're just like, what should I be taking? What should I, you know, like, what are the things you recommend for me to like eat more, consume, should I be taking multivitamins? Should I be taking this pre-workout, this protein shake? Like, all right, let's slow down before everybody thinks like this fitness thing is all about all the shit you can ingest to make yourself more fit. So first get blood work done. Okay, the the first thing that you're th- you're going to know where you're deficient at or what you need more of or what's happening is blood work. From there, you know what you're going to have to consume more of and then from there you research on quality companies and quality products that you want to ingest in your body. The pre-workout, all the all the other supplement stuff like pre-workouts and protein, I I'm never taking pre-workout. I, I tried it once and that shit got my heart rate like like crazy i'm like i am not fucking with this oh man you've never taken a <laughs> pre-workout oh god no, dude no. i didn't take a Cafecito, baby i've been taking ca- i've been taking pre-workout for like the better part of your life 12 years <laughs> but i actually just recently i'm focusing more just on just drinking coffee for a workout because dude, yeah you know longevity totally. especially like I'm, I'm 32 now like i mm-hmm. i've been mm-hmm. taking pre-working since i was 18 like this 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 isn't oh, wow. good you know, this can't be good right, long term right. for, for my body. So, you know, I'm not focusing on getting being the biggest in the room or I, I just want to sure. be able to go up the stairs without pain, <laughs> you know, or without losing my breath, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. But dude, so so now you're dependent on it, though. Do you feel like you're dependent? You, you can't really have a good workout if you don't have that? Um. So I've, you know, being away from pre-workout, I've, I haven't taken pre-workout in probably like two months. And just been focusing okay. on drinking, uh, just drinking coffee before a workout. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think I, I find that just being hydrated, having either, you know, 
like having, you know, eating quality food that's so, like away from being processed, just whole foods and, um, and, you know, the occasional coffee in the morning, like before a workout, like that, right. that, that tends to do the best for me. Um, yeah. do you like to, uh, do you, do you prefer to work out on an empty stomach or do you like to eat first? I don't I have no idea how I knew this question was coming. Like, it, it, I think you, what you said was like setting it up <laughs> and I just kind of knew it was coming. <laughs> because I, I find like, if I'm doing a run, I don't want to eat. Like I don't, or if I'm like having a heavy lift, I don't, I, if I'm having a heavy lift, it's probably better to eat something, but I prefer mm-hmm. to go fasted, but I'm sure you're going to tell yeah. me the opposite. Dude, it really depends what your, first, what your goals are. And two, what kind of metabolism is your your body mostly functioning in, right? So like if you're doing endurance stuff and you're consuming mostly fats, then you're in a certain kind of metab, like you're metabolizing fats. That's the first thing that your body's going to go to because oxygen and energy demand are the same. If you're going for heavier lifts and you're consuming a lot of fat, um, even before your workout, it's you, the, the energy might not be there, right? Glycogen consumption is going to go woo, really quick and your body needs oxygen to metabolize fat. So it really depends on me. It's like today I wanted, I worked out fasted. I wasn't doing heavy lifting, but, uh, I wasn't going for so much endurance either. However, last night, dude, we went out to, uh, this place in Fort Lauderdale to get tacos and I had a bunch of tacos. I came home and I had like another gyro that I made myself with some lamb and stuff like that. Oh, nice. So I, I I'm hungry. got myself pretty good, <laughs> pretty good at calories that I know that this morning I would have an, some sort of enough glycogen to pass, like survive me through this workout, right? If I were to be squatting heavy today, though, I still would have ate fruits in the morning because I want that fast energy like demand to be given to me when I need it, if I'm lifting heavy. Um, so it just really depends. But I agree with you. I'd rather go for a run fasted than not. Do you prefer, let's say, like you're talking about a carb, like you, you go to you go to fruits. Do you how do you mm-hmm. feel about oats? Do you stay away from oats and just fast metabolizing, just quick energy, give me that sugar? Yes, because well, it depends. It depends what kind of lifting I'm good I'm doing, right? Uh, oats, I usually pack oats, overnight oats for my trips. Because I think that's fantastic. You put and in some clutch. chia seeds, some flex, yeah, some protein powder, bro. Yeah, it's exactly. a power shake. And in the then, morning. yeah, dude. And what I found was that, like, I used to be putting the water before I left on my trip. Mm-hmm. I found that, like, if I put the water every night, it's so much fucking more efficient. Dude. I was like, what have I been doing? I can imagine this that. whole time. <laughs> you know. Like how, the f- how do I fly a plane and not think about just putting on it? <laughs> but that's a, that's a cool thing about, you know, you're, you find better ways of doing things. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what you, you know, you promote on your page. Like, that's like, Hey, like I've been doing this for a while. This is what I've learned. And you like to share that with people. And I think that's an, it's, it's a great thing, you know, cause a lot of people are like, I don't know where to start. And it's like, well, you just cut out a lot of work for, for people if they really want to stick to a plan. Exactly. But going back to your question with the, do I prefer like the faster sugary carbs? Um, if I'm depending on my training and because my metabolism is fast and I have been exercising since I was fucking like six years old, my body is now used to like, I'll ingest some fruits. I'll get that super fast glucose because I'm going to use it for that energy. And I actually will eat fruits again after my workout. So for post, 
because you have glucose and you have fats and then you have proteins, right? These two, glucose and fats, are meant to replace, replenish energy and give you energy. Some of it will be used right away. Some of it will be stored. Proteins only, not only, but pro proteins' main goal is to synthesize muscle. It could be reverted to energy, glucose, through a process called gluconeogenesis or whatever it's called. Say that three times fast. But that's... Uh, <laughs> It's you're, you're making your body work so much harder. It's not the protein's role to do that, but it will do it for, to make your body survive. So if I eat, if I consumed a lot of energy in my workout and I bring in that simple, a simple carb, it replenishes that energy and then I'll have protein and then that's going to go where it's supposed to go. And now I am kind of bringing these macronutrients kind of like where they're kind of supposed to go. That's just for me, for my body with you know, the conditions of me, if somebody who has maybe, you know, some other underlying conditions or they don't metabolize things exactly the same way that I do, you have to change your strategy, but you won't know unless you like go out and seek professional, you know, advice. I find, I find myself the, I'm very carb sensitive. If I have too many carbs, I definitely, I bloat. I like, mm -hmm. and, and, and it's interesting. Like I, 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 my weight fluctuates like 10 pounds easily. Like, Actually, wow. what scared me last week is I stepped on the scale and I hit 200 pounds, which is the most I've ever weighed in my entire life. And I'm like, well, I haven't been lifting that much more. So this is a problem. Um, okay. Yeah. So I, you know, and for a long time, lifting hasn't been fun. So I'm trying to revert sure. back to a way to just fall in love with lifting again, fall in love with just being active and, and, and you know, finding longevity right. in your workouts and, and your lifestyle. And I found that eating healthier and, um, and just changing things up. Like I, I started a new regiment, um, by this guy, Nick bear, and this is only day mm -hmm. two, but, uh, it's, it's, it's been very helpful so far. And I, I weighed myself this morning. I was 191. I'm like, how, how do I fluctuate that much? That's, I, that's crazy. I don't know, man. I, I think it's, it's probably yeah. carbs or, or maybe, I don't know. Could be water. It could be. It could be a lot of things. It could be a lot of things. But I mean, ten pounds is a lot. Um, uh, you know, how would you? Yeah, I was just full of shit. No, no. <laughs> I was just waiting for that. <laughs> it could be that too. You know, couple couple days, couple days going like, oh man, I can't. I haven't gone. You know, <laughs> every morning it's my routine. It's my ritual. Oh, good. Got my games Dude. on my phone. You know, <laughs> everyone's got the games. At the poop games. Dude, yeah, you got <laughs> <laughs> there's like an a, a soul app category for that. It's just like poop games. Yep, third page in, second row. There you go. Yeah. Let's go. Dude. Play the candle. So how do you how do you <laughs> <laughs> maybe leave, leave a little sage like yeah. little thing going? Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yep. Dude. Can you play oh, some man. calming That's music? You, really put yeah, absolutely. <laughs> some people have a lot of trouble with that, actually. And believe it or not, a lot of the crews that I fly with, the the people who do open up, they'll be like, dude, I'm I, like, I just fucking, I'm constipated, man. Not like, enough fiber. I can't, I'm not enough fiber, but also not enough water, dude. Yeah. So hydration also helps a lot with that. A ton. You can actually have a lot of fiber, but if you don't hydrate enough, it won't do you any any better. So, um, that being said, if you're struggling, drink a little bit more water, have a little bit more greens and you'll, you'll probably start doing a little bit better. Also running, 
if you run, that helps also bowel movement, loosen it up. Yeah, shake it, shake things up. Here's the thing that I find difficult though. <laughs> if you're drinking a lot of water, and especially us being in the flight deck, like how do you stop yourself from having to go to the bathroom all the time? Do you just in- increase your salt intake to kind of pull that in? Um, I let the flight attendants know ahead of time, like, hey, I'm going to be a pain in the ass, but I'm probably going to have to bug you for two lap breaks. <laughs> I drink a lot of water, and especially if I have my coffee and then drink water, my eyes start to float, dude. Well, your legs your legs are longer <laughs> than mine, right? You, you, what, How long are your flights? Usually four or five hours. I see you with JFK down to like the Caribbean. Do you see you, you do a lot? Dude. That's the, we did JFK the other day to Georgetown, Guyana. We've done like Punta Cana to Dallas. Like it's it's long, but uh, yeah, we I definitely do two two breaks, and the captain usually does two breaks too. So I'm like, oh, all right, good. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not the only <laughs> At least one. you're not the only one. Yeah, <laughs> it's tough when you have a jump seater though. That's when things get difficult. Dude, you remember when it was tough? Remember in the one forty five, oh, yeah. the walk of shame. Yeah, walk of shame, dude. Oh. Yeah. Oh, for the people that don't know, the Embraer 145 has one restroom, and it is all the way in the back of the plane. So, whenever you have to use the restroom, you have to literally say hi to every single face along the way. Full fifty people. Correct. <laughs> and then the people who have flown on that plane often enough that know that the lab is back there, they'll see and they'll start counting. They'll start timing. Oh, and then they'll know. What you did in there? You either took a pee or you took a massive dump. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right? So, dude, you're just like, I don't want to feel like I'm taking too long. I gotta hurry up. Yep. I don't want people to think I just took a shit in the back. There's, of the there's, there's a long line. There's only one bathroom, <laughs> fifty people, and one aisle. Yeah, one aisle. Oh, that's the worst too. Yeah. Playing, doing that dance to try to get around some people. Oh man, <sighs> it's. Uh, it was a great. Yeah, it was a great a- plane from a a, uh, a pilot's perspective. But right, a little tough right. on the passenger side, I think. Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. So let's get back to fitness. Yep, though. sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so how do you um, how do how do you feel like you can make everything that you're trying new now as part of your your life? Like you already talked about a mental shift, but you know what are the some of the things that you you could think about in the future to be like, all right, well, fitness is important, but how can I make it entertaining for myself? It starts with, again, the perspective and mindset and also time management. I think my one of my biggest problems for a long time has always been time, time management. Um, okay. You know, growing up, I would often find myself procrastinating. It's like, oh, you know, I'll get it done. I'll get it done. I'll get it done. And that that mind shift has kind of shifted in a way that, oh, I have to leave for a trip in two hours. I have to leave in one hour. It's like, oh, crap, like uh, I need to pack my food and do all these things. But I think moving forward, what is important is to wake up with purpose, wake up with a plan. And whatever schedule you get, your flying schedule, you kind of work around that or you you find Mm -hmm. there's there's always you always have an hour. And if even if that hour is like, even if you get into a hotel late at night, you can go on a treadmill for a half hour for an hour, just move your body. Or if you have a two or three hour sit at an airport, like just walk around the airport and get, get, move your body. Um, but I think transitioning forward, my, my plan is to really just take it a day at a time. And I think, 
um, you know, if you have one bad meal or, you know, you have a setback, like don't dwell on it. And that was my, my problem. Like I've always had, like, I've had this pain in my left shoulder for, for a little while now. And, and I would find myself like lifting and it would just be like off and it's like, well, and I would get frustrated and be like, well, you know, I can't lift as much or I can't do this X, Y, Z. And I think what the important thing to do, at least in my mind has been to, well, do what you can and just try to fall in love with it again, stretch some more. And, um, you know, just try to find at least an hour every day and just to stay away from processed foods and to eat more whole foods, you know, like, like and, and try to get more greens. Like my deficient, yeah. I've always been deficient in greens, but um, um, my girlfriend has this recipe for broccoli that's super easy. Anybody can do it. Just, you know, and we use avocado oil spray. We don't use olive oil or Pam or any of that stuff. We use avocado spray and I, I like it a lot and it tastes good too, but just spray mm-hmm. it like broccoli, for example, spray it, salt, pepper, and Montreal seasoning. Um, and that actually mm-hmm. works really good. And, and the broccoli is really crispy and in a way that I actually mm-hmm. enjoy eating it. I know my mom used to like steam it and put olive oil on top and it just tasted soggy and yeah. it wasn't the best. So just, just right. find foods that you like to eat and, um, you know, everything in moderation as well. And again, just take it a day at a time. So we'll see yeah. how it goes. So, yeah, I think that's fantastic. And I'm going to tie in, uh, you know, human behavior psychology with this as well. You know, humans have psychological human needs that they must fulfill. And a lot of the times, you mentioned this earlier, you go to food for comfort. Everybody does to some extent, some point. When it starts to get a little like concerning is how much and is that the only thing you you revert to as comfort? But you in this case, in this scenario, took a little bit of variety, a little bit of uncertainty in like, okay, well, let me try the same broccoli because that's not changing. The way that you're making it is changing. And now you just put yourself out there a little bit. Put yourself a little bit on uncertainty. Am I going to like this or not? Boom. Oh, great. You loved it. Now you are able to incorporate something more, uh, you know, healthy in your nutrition, which is great. But a lot of people are very hesitant to, oh, yeah, I don't like, I don't like broccoli. I don't, well, have you tried air frying it? Have you tried, you know, all these other different ways that could possibly make you like it and change your lifestyle? So, with you know, with that being said, we both... And, and a lot of people know that mental health, psychology, and fitness are very closely linked together. One affects the other because it changes your state. And by state, I mean the way your posture, what your thoughts are, you know, how you're behaving. All those things are linked. And just by you changing, let's say, for example, changing your nutrition and starting to like greens when you didn't before – now has you in a state of like, well, if I'm eating a little bit better, I should probably do something for my body a little bit better in terms of physical activity. And if I'm doing that, then I know I'm also changed. So you start to create a positive pattern mm-hmm. around around that concept, right? Absolutely. Which which also contributes to how you manage your behavior around stress or things that are outside of your control. Do you feel that you you're able to manage stress more efficiently or in better ways when you exercise than when you don't absolutely 
And I have found myself go down a rabbit hole of where I have one bad meal and then it becomes two and it come, becomes three and it becomes two days, three days, four days. And, yep. and then it, I, I see my motivation to go to the gym also dwindle. And then I start getting anxious because I'm like, I know I want to do this, but like, why can't I snap out of it and just be like, I need to eat better. And, and like, you know, all the things in your mind of like what you need to do. And I think a lot of times too, people know the answer to their problems. They just don't want to face them. And I think it really comes down to you have all of these problems or all these things that you want to figure out, but looking at everything all at once is a huge task. I think if you just break it down instead of, you know, uh, and, and you've been eating unhealthy, well, instead of just fully eating unhealthy, maybe have a healthy meal or maybe just start incorporating more greens and or more uh, whole foods. And then you'll find yourself and especially if you eat a lot more greens that you will be, you know, your stomach will be fuller. And then, you know, if you start being like, well, this, this actually, like, I actually feel good and being feeling good. You want to work out more and, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, just things like that. It, it really, it really stems down to just taking things one, one thing at a time and, right. and building on those, and those habits. And again, it takes a while right. for things to become a habit. And I think, you know, the longer you, you work at something and, be mindful and cognizant of that and try to at least do one thing every day. Like eventually, and what is that? You get, get 1% better every day. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, right. and you realize in the grand scheme of things, like you're going to get substantially better if you just try a little by little every day. Yeah, I agree, man. It's all about gradual, you know, changes or gradual, or even just adding things to your routine. You don't necessarily have to take anything out because you might like something so much that you, that might be bad for you, mm-hmm. but you taking it out, you're going to, you're going to regret it and go right back to it later on. So, um, you know, adding or in gradual changes is, is huge for your lifestyle. But, um, you mentioned something about problems and this, I learned from Tony Robbins when I took his courses to become an intervention coach. Do you know what the number one addicting thing in the world is? What's that? Problems. Problems. It's, it's not drugs, it's not drinking, it's problems. Because problems, you can either get a, have a good problem or have a bad problem, okay? A good problem is a challenge. That's where, if we want to live a life where we're continuously growing, getting more successful and everything, we're always going to face problems or challenges that are going to make us have to perform better, step outside of the box, go into that uncertain world and become more resourceful. And then there's problems that set us back. And those problems that sometimes set us back can sometimes create comfort in people. And when people start sharing their problems with you, you start feeling connection with everybody that you're not the only one that has these problems. And so problems have a deep psychological fulfillment of needs for people. And obviously in a, in, a, in a negative way, as much as in a positive way, it's all about how you perceive it. But I don't know if you've ever experienced this. And when I understood this with Tony, I, uh, it changed the game completely. I found that I put myself in smaller problems that I know I could handle when the problem that was big enough, I couldn't or didn't want to handle it at the same time. And I start going like, well, there's this big fire I got to put out. Is there any other little fires that kind of need to be put out? Okay, I'm going to go on those. I'm going to try to put those out. And when I and you start falling into that pattern and the big fucking fire doesn't get turned off, dude. 
and you still have that fire fucking lingering right there. So, so it's breaking that pattern of like, wait, don't deal. If those little fires are not your priority right now, stick to that. And it's breaking that habit, dude. It's breaking that mental shift. It's not easy, bro, because you have to come to like self-realization of like what's happening. What are your thoughts creating a pattern and a habit of? When you break that, bro, and you go to what's really the problem, whether if it's in a negative and you're trying to make it into a positive, your life changes, dude. You, you, it's a little scary in the beginning because you have to step out. You have to go into this uncertain world that doesn't probably feel right in the beginning. But once you step in more and more and more and more, you get comfortable stepping into the darkness or stepping into something that you're not used to. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but bro, when I realized that I was changed my whole game on perception of things, you know? Yeah. What are, what are some of the setbacks that you've had that you've been able, like you, you mentioned big fires and small fires. Like what are, what are some examples of that, that you have been able to overcome? Uh, let's okay. So setbacks that a lot, you know, th- th- there's different uh, things obviously that people consider as a setback, but on a daily, it could be things of like, maybe not being present or maybe uh, being stuck because I don't know what to do with providing things for people for the fitness page or, you know, little things like that. And and, and it's not a problem that you can solve overnight. So if I'm constantly thinking, how, what, what, what else can I provide? Can I provide a service that will do the whole entire aviation community great for their health? And I have this idea and then it's like, well, fuck from, to go from here to here doesn't happen overnight. Right. So I'm just like, well, let me take on these other little things that I know I can have control with because I have zero control of from zero to a hundred, right? I can't get to a hundred right now. I have no control of that. And I'm not ready to step out into my uncertainty and maybe invest in something that I probably need to invest in or take the time to, you know, study on something else because that's going to take time away from other things that are important in life. And so when I, when I catch myself with that, I go, whoa, hang on a second. You, if you know that it's not going to be, if it's going to take a while for you to get to that to that achievement or that goal that you want to get, you need to plan it out. Have little goals that will eventually get you to this so that those fires that you think you're, that you know you're good at turning off, make some of those your goals that you know you're good at, uplift, at upbringing. And when you, sh- you know, you take what you're good at and just shift it to the left or to the right and your whole perception of things just change. You know, it's about, you know, mindset, you know, just, just mm-hmm. something small every day, you know? Exactly. What about for you? What are, what are some setbacks and how have you been able to, to uh, handle that? I, I think you, you mentioned a good point. Um, you know, a big thing that I think a lot of problem have is comparing themselves with others. So at least looking from a social media standpoint, looking at some, someone being the way looking at, the way somebody's doing something and it's really easy to be like, no, like what that guy's doing and, and being jealous or envious of that. And instead of looking at a way in, in, in a way of like, what are they doing? And like, why can't I do that? Look inward and be like, well, what can I learn to get to a place where I can a provide value and provide quality content and just on, on a side right. of social media. But, um, right. outside of that, um, and I've, I've had a lot of failures, um, 
even in my career. Uh, a good example, um, going back to my engineering days, um, like in, in school, um, I when I was in school is when I realized, like, I think I want to fly again, but I'm not sure. Let me just get through this program. I I nearly failed out of school. Like I, um, the the engineering program was was very difficult, uh, a lot more difficult than what I was used to. And and coming out of high school where I graduated with a 3.9 GPA, like it was, I didn't have to try very hard, which I think was a problem. Mm -hmm. So when I got to college, I didn't, and again, time management was an issue. I didn't put the time aside um, to really focus on my, my grades and uh, my studies. And I, it, it affected me. It affected me a lot to a point where I nearly got kicked out of school. And I really had to, you know, like when I got down to that last semester, they're like, hey, you're like, you have one more shot. Like if you don't get XYZ grades, like you're, you're going to be kicked out of the the uh, engineering program. Damn. And I've never been so stressed in my life. And one summer I took 12 credits and that was like, took like thermodynamics, heat transfer, vibrations, like all these oh, very, wow. very difficult Damn. engineering courses. And I got C's, yeah. I got like C's in them. And that was enough to like get me by. And, wow. and I always was always on the back end of that. So I graduated college with like a 2.5, 2.4 GPA and at that point, I was like, I want to work for Boeing, I want to work for Lockheed. Like, no one's going to hire you with, like with that GPA. And mm -hmm. um, what's what's funny is, um, you know, I, I look back at at those times and and the amount of stress, and it really set. I don't know. It, it's it's a reminder of like you know things can be tough, like and and they will be tough, but like you'll like you're going to be okay. Like you'll figure out a way. You'll yeah. get through it. You just gotta you know keep your head up and you roll with the punches. And to fast forward from there is when I when I started actually going through my flight training, I've had a couple of setbacks. Uh, the big one being um, failing my uh, CFI. I double busted my CFI check ride with the same instructor, um, and I never made it out of the oral. The first time was after five hours. The second time was after four and a half oh. hours. And uh, and at the end of the second time, and after this is after giving this guy almost two thousand dollars in in uh, you know in fees. Mm -hmm. He said to me, he's like, you probably shouldn't be a flight instructor. It's like, you'd, be, you'd make a bad flight instructor. And I looked him dead in the eye. I said, you know what? You're probably right. And I remember being so angry and upset going from never failing a check ride to, you know, double busting this and, and seeing all of my insecurities and all of my like, oh, well, like, what if this happens? Like come to fruition and come to life. I was like, whoa, this sucks. But out of that came the best experience of my life. Like now leaving that, uh, that program that I was in, uh, having all the rest of my ratings, except for my CFI with the game plan being, I'm going to become a flight instructor, build up my time, go to the airlines. I now went, mm -hmm. I have 200 hours of flight time. I'm not a CFI. Like, what do I want to do? Like who's going to hire a pilot with 200 hours. And luckily at the time I applied to every job that I could on this, um, it's climb to 350.com just a pilot website board and i went to the low yeah. pilot section and i applied to every job that i could around the world whatever would take me and sure enough this little airline in saipan northern mariana islands for those who aren't familiar it's an hour north of guam in the middle of pacific ocean um they got back to me and said hey like you know would you like to interview so i did a I did a what? Skype Skype interview. Oh, sorry, my dog is here. 
It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Hi, Daisy. Uh, so, um, so we did a Skype interview, and uh, sure enough, they're like, "Well, when can you come out here?" And I said, "As soon as possible." So, two weeks later, I was on a what? I was on a flight from New York to Hong Kong, Hong Kong to Guam, Guam to Saipan, and um, I, I flew tourists around the islands of Saipan for Part ninety one and Cessna one seventy twos and 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 Piper Warriors did that for three months, and then from there I moved to. Texas and I flew pipeline and was flying decent bit. I was flying 120 hours a month the next eight months. Wow. So from failing my check ride in January of 2016, or it was 27, I think it was 2017. Uh, January, 2017, I had 200 hours by March of 2018, I had 1500 hours. And that's when I, uh, and that's when wow. I interviewed with my regional carrier and when I got hired in April um, and started the whole process by June of 2018. But, you know, and, and again, you, you like all of these setbacks made me who I am today. It gave me that perspective. It gave me that made me realize like, Hey, like things can be tough, but you know, if you just stick at it and embrace the suck sometimes and, and just focus on everything that you can do to, to, you know, get back up and keep going. And, you know, eventually it will work out, you know, and that, and that works with anything in your life. Like if it works with mm -hmm. fitness, if it works with you want to, you want to do that thing, like do it like, or, or just work every day towards getting that. And that's kind of where I am now with social media, you know, working on just like every day, building my skills and, and getting more comfortable with like editing software or like this camera settings on my phone, or maybe going out and joining a photography club. Like there, yeah. there's so much you can do. And if you have a dream, you can get there. You just got to work for it. You got to work. You got to put in the time. And if you work hard enough, you will get there. And everybody has setbacks. And that doesn't define you. doesn't define who you are. You know, you just got to move forward from that. I agree. That's what an incredible story, bro. Like for you to have that opportunity to go out there and fly. I mean, shit, with just 200 hours. Yeah, it's crazy. That is awesome. It's crazy. Dude, that's awesome. I mean. That is the, the definition of like, I truly believe failure shapes who you are. Yep. hundred percent. And you, you take failure and you have very different avenues you can take. And the one that you're going to take will greatly shape how you think, who you think of yourself, what you're going to do, because what everybody talks about, dude, and everybody's like, yeah, just always dream big and you're going to go to the dream and do that. But not a lot of people have gotten and thought about that dream. And then for some reason, they can't make it. And then nobody ever talks about how do you deal with the disappointment? How do you deal with disappointment when you don't make what, you, what you've dreamed of, what you thought you could be? I mean, that shit happened with me, dude, with, with uh, baseball. I ate, slept, breathed, fucking everything you can think of. Baseball, because I wanted to become a professional athlete that bad. What was your position? My entire, I was, I started first in infield, second base, and then I went out to the outfield. Okay. That's what I wanted. I mean, I always knew I wanted to be a pilot, but if I had the opportunity to be a professional baseball player, that shit doesn't come around often. Absolutely not. Yeah. When I, when the moment that I realized that like, I I failed at becoming the best per, the best player that I can be or that I I to, to to make it to the pros. Dude, I felt in this 
hole of just like, I didn't think like if I was worth it enough because I know I put in the work and the time and the discipline to be there with the pros. But I thought of like, damn, how do you deal with all this positive thoughts that you have about making it and then not make it? And there, right there, when you're at the fucking bottom is where you find yourself, dude. Yep. And you take that avenue. You take that avenue of like, and you said it earlier, which was great. You look at what you have accomplished. What is the best things that came out of that? And part of the reason why I have the discipline and the shape and the nutrition and the education and the knowledge of health and fitness is because of baseball. So if it wasn't for that, fail, okay, if I didn't fail, I became pro and I failed and I'm now influencing and helping creating a positive impact to people to better their health. And so what I, what I'm trying to drive with this is that the t- you're not going to make absolutely every single dream of yours that you have a reality. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not every single one the you have the power to make the majorities that, that, of the ones that you can, but the ones that you don't remember this, when the disappointment comes really, truly embrace the things that you learn from it, who are now part of you that you can make something even bigger with it. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. And everything, I'm very much a proponent of everything happens for a reason. And Mm -hmm. I think you having your setbacks, maybe that's not, that, that led you to what you needed to be in life. You know, it could be a little woo woo to think about, think of, but you know, I, I, I try to be positive thinking and that like everything, genuinely everything happens for a reason. What was, what was it injury that with baseball? It was, it was too many coaches trying to, you know, they're like, look for your height, for your strength and your dedication and everything, you should be like throwing a little bit faster or whatever. And they just try to fuck with my mechanics too much, man. And like, it just, baseball's a mental game. Oh yeah. And what stopped me was this because I went to play three years later, dude, and I had zero fucking worries. And dude, I threw the fastest that I probably have ever thrown. I hit the hardest. <laughs> it, it just, but by that time, you know, whatever things happen for a reason, just like you said, bro. It's got, you gotta, you just, you have to have fun with it sometimes. And, and when you're such, yeah. such in high stress environments, like you kind of lose the fun sometimes, you know? Yeah, dude, I, it happens. Yeah. And that's, so see, that's another thing that I input in my fitness and it's part of my life. I have fun doing that. And one of the ways that I have fun doing that is because I, uh, the way I program myself to my, the workouts for myself, I don't just do the same shit over and over again. I change my stuff every 12 weeks or every six weeks. It just depends on what I want to do. But that creativity is like for you, photography, right? It makes you want to get out there, take classes, do this, lens, this, that. Absolutely. It's great. It's a fantastic thing. I do the same thing with how do I want my body to perform, right? And it, that that comes from within, dude. And you're like, hell yeah, I want to go after it, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I think the big problem with like getting into photography, there's always a new toy that comes out like, oh, like how can I elevate? Like, if I just get that, it'll be that much better. And I'm like, no, you don't need that. <laughs> you don't need it. <laughs> dude, I know. But look, dude, the photos you took in, in Zurich, 
Man, well, it was in Zurich, right? Yeah, you were in we, Zermatt. Zur- yeah Zurich and Zermatt. Uh, I think, yeah, the, the, that was probably the coolest picture. And, I, and I'm still learning, like, but the like long exposure, uh, being able to see like the whole city with like the mountain in the background. And most cool in that moment, the mountain wasn't there. You couldn't see it in the naked eye. But when you took that picture with like an open shutter and let the camera do its thing, like, you know, and to see the, the, to see it afterwards and be like, whoa, that was there the whole time. Like, whoa, that's pretty cool. And, and just getting creative with it. And it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, um, you know, it's, it's something that, that brings me joy and, and something that, you know, keeps me, um, you know, very fortunate that I have a little bit more time um, with these schedules to, to focus on my, you know, my health, to focus on things that make me happy outside of aviation. And um, yeah, I'm just trying to stay productive, you know? Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a big thing about everything that a pilot tries to do and you're in the, in a person and what they think their identity is. Right. Uh, a lot of, a lot of times pilots think that their only identity is that you can fly an airplane and you know, whether you know it now or not, you are so much more capable of doing way many more things for some reason they haven't done it, but the capability is there. But how would you say your experience has been with, did you ever think that pilot was your only identity or have you always had like, I'm a pilot, but I'm also this, this, this in life? I think um, for a solid, I was going to say for a solid two, three years where my main focus was getting to the airlines, my whole life was being a pilot. Going through training, that's like all you're thinking, all you're talking about every day. And for the first time, you're surrounded by peers who that's all they're talking about is aviation as well. And you definitely, you know, go into this, this mindset where like, this is my whole being right now is, is, is this goal? Like, how am I going to get to this goal the fastest? And, you know, you, if you think, think about it when you're around other pilots, what do you guys talk about? You guys talk about pilot stuff. Right. And that's just, that, that always ends yeah. up happening. Every time my mm-hmm. pilot friends are around and my girlfriend's around, she's like, oh, right. there you go. You guys talking pilot stuff again. Yeah, yeah. That's just the way it is. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. but yeah, for a solid, like two, three years, my whole life was focused on one goal, getting to the airline. So that very much became who I was, you know, cause I wasn't mm-hmm. focused on anything else. I mean, sure. I, I still worked out and did this and that and the other, but like my main focus was getting to the airlines. I was so focused on that and, you know, finally getting there and trying to find other things to do outside of aviation became tough. And especially when the pandemic came, I was like, Whoa, Mm. all of a sudden I went from flying all the time, this being like who I am people, you know, whenever I talk to anyone be like, Oh, you're a pilot. And you're like, yeah. And that's what you start talking about to the pandemic hits. And you're like, Oh man, like what, what am I going to do? Like what, who am I outside of flying? And that's when Mm -hmm. the interest first came of, photography, video editing, all this stuff. So now it's just been trying to build on those, those, those steps, but yeah, we are a lot more than just pilots. And I think it's very much important to be a well-rounded person to, you know, be able to get out there and learn things outside of, of of aviation. Cause again, that there is more to us, um, just being a whole rounded person. Um, I think it's very important for your mind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and people who, you know, who have families, like you, you often, they often, you can get so emerged sometimes maybe in work that, hey, you forget that you're, you're probably a great dad or you're a great husband. You're a great, you know, if you do stuff around the house, you're a great handyman or woman or great wife, great anything. And, uh, and, and those things sometimes get overlooked because 
it's subconscious, right? Like, you know, you're a mom or, you know, you're a dad. And, but in reality, it's like, yeah, taking care of a kid is not easy. You know, yeah. so like you take care of a dog. That's almost like having a child. <laughs> made me realize like, do I want kids like this? This seems like, this seems like a lot, you know, I, by the way, like the, the, the like the videos and the, the pictures that you and Jess take when you, when you go on your trips, like they're epic. Like I'm like, Oh, all the oh, stuff thanks, that they're doing, man. it's so cool. Like, I definitely want to do stuff yeah. like that. It's a little tough with a dog. Luckily my, my parents don't live too far away. So and they, they love her. Oh, so sweet. Yeah. I always drop her off there, but yeah. Right. You know, just, trying to travel more is, is, would be nice, you know, try to yeah. get used to those, uh, actually use those flight benefits. Dude. I mean, man, I, bef- look, before I used to travel and it wasn't as much as I did after I met Jess, like this girl has, she's like a pro. She is like a, a, a genius, bro. When it comes to like traveling, because it's like, like we've, we, we like to travel pretty much the same way. Like we're nonstop and we try to make the trips as efficient as possible. And over the years, I've gotten accustomed to, to her way of traveling a little bit that she's like, if the weather sucks in this place, we're going to go here. And like, you know, we're, we're in Norway at this point. Like I'll I'll take you back. We're in Norway and we're like, fuck, this weather's kind of suck. And there's like a weather system coming through, like, you know, the West from Spain into Italy. Should we go, East or West when we get to Milan, dude, the day of, we're like, all right, we're going to go West. <laughs> There's something fun about that. And I'm going to, I was going to say who's more spontaneous and who's more of a planner. Jess is the more spontaneous, but she knows how to plan really well. I need more of like a, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. But over the years, man, I have just appreciated and learned how awesome and how much more you get to see when I embraced her way of like traveling. And it, Bro, it opened my eyes and I don't want to go back to traveling planned this way. No, it's a lot of fun. Although I do find that sometimes like there are experiences or things that you would like to see you can't do. Like a good example, when we were in Zurich, uh, we wanted to go to the Lindt Lindt Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they were booked out like a week in advance or like a week and a half in advance. We're like, man, like if we had just planned this a little bit better, we could have, you know, gone. Yeah. But it's things like that, you know, but, but there's, there's always, there's always other things you can do. You know, that's not the only thing, but um, yeah, we're very fortunate just being able to to travel. And, and that's, that's, that's the big thing. Like when I was at my, my previous, uh, previous life before getting into flying, like I found myself in this like little bubble of a world. It's like, well, I see the same mm-hmm. faces every day, I do the same things every day. And, mm-hmm. and having the ability to, to travel on a whim, um, it was, you know, that's, it's a luxury for us and it doesn't always work out. Granted, you know, flying standby, right, right. but when it yeah. does, it's uh it's pretty cool. It's pretty nice. Especially when you get first class. Oh yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's bad. It's like, you don't want to go back. You know, <laughs> I haven't with, with my current airline, I have yet to fly first class. So I haven't gotten that lucky. Um, my yeah. parents did, they flew to London and they flew out to fly first oh, class. Wow. I'm like, how did you guys get to fly first class before I did? This is what? But, well, dude, they're your parents. Yeah. They probably deserve. Oh, no, it. they absolutely deserve it. You know, I would, I would be nothing without my parents. Like they, they, they work their, their butts off. You know, I'm, I'm my, my, both my, fa- my parents are immigrants. You know, uh, I'm first generation born in the states. So seeing like where mm-hmm. my grandfather was when he was 12, living in Portugal, like you would, you know, cut, like mm-hmm. my family are farmers. You know, they, they didn't have mm-hmm. much, and to yeah. come to the states and sacrifice and you know build everything that they have and then you know my and getting all the opportunities that i have i'm extremely fortunate yep. and uh 
yeah. yeah. Everything that I've been yeah. given, I try yeah. to give it for to my kids. Maybe. Exactly. Ex- exactly. It, you know, Jess's family is also from Portugal, from the Azores, but her family is pretty much the same. Like, you know, like the way the, the way her dad describes, you know, how it used to be when they were over there, when they came here. You know, I was born in Venezuela and I lived there for eight years. And when it, when you come here, you just you're just so appreciative of the opportunities that there are in this country. And, you know, you always want to pay it forward because you want the the generation after you to have either as good as you or better. At least that's the way I was brought up, you know? Absolutely. Um, so it's, uh, it, it's like, it's very humbling and, and also really cool to, to talk with like-minded people like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's a big thing. Perspective is everything, you know, like coming from like where my family came from to, to be able to, it, like I carry my grandfather's, like before my dad was born, he, my grandfather, left Portugal and moved to Brazil and he worked in Brazil for 15 years. So mm-hmm. my, my grandparents had my uncle and then my grandfather left to Brazil and was sending money uh, every year to, to my, my grandmother and my uncle in Portugal. And then after 15 years, he went back and, you know, my dad was born and then they moved to Germany and then they moved to New York and they moved to Philly. Wow. So they, they've been on a journey, but I carry yeah. my, my, my grandfather has since passed away. He passed away in like 2014, no, 2007, but he, I have his passport from when he went to Brazil and he was like no, no older than like 25. And I carry that with me. I've had, I have that in my flight bag and I've had that with me ever since I started flying. And, uh, it's like, wow. it's like my way of like, you know, he's always with me, got my angel and, um, but, it, yeah. but it's cool, you yeah. know, just, just being able to see like everything that my family has gone through for me to have everything that I have today. And it's like, wow, like, like all this, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's hard to put into words, like, you know, just how appreciative yeah. and to be here, you know, like, again, we had the best job in the world and all we can do is try to pay it forward. Right. I agree. Dude, very well said, man. If you have any advice, uh, good habits for upcoming pilots, people who are, you know, a lot of, you, you probably say this a lot in your, in your, in your Instagram, but people that, that message you, but you know, what advice would you give to somebody who's starting flight school now? Dream is to either be in the airlines, corporate, military, whatever it would be. Embrace the suck. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the big thing, <laughs> something that I had, a um, I had an instructor or a teacher tell me once he's like, uh, He's like the biggest thing that he sees when people stop flying or, or stop, you know, fail out of it is they forget to look outside. And, um, and, and I think that's, that's huge. Like when the first time you get, the first time you solo, I'm sure you felt it too. The first time you solo, you're like, wow, like I'm up here by myself. Like this is the coolest thing in the world. Like I am behind the controls of this airplane. I'm at 3000 feet, like looking around, like this is insane. Like, and that's like yeah. the coolest feeling, you know, a little scary, but yeah. also like you trust your training <laughs> and everything, but, yeah. um, just, in, like, you, you gotta, gotta remember to look outside, just, uh, remember what you're doing and, and what your goals are. And, and yeah, it, it's not always going to be easy. You're going to have setbacks. You're, you're going to have lessons where you're like going to question everything. Like, do I really want to do this? Like, I just got my butt handed to me. Like that was a really, really bad lesson. Or, you know, my flight instructor yelled at me because I didn't do things, you know, right this time when I did it right last time, or maybe I didn't study hard enough. Like you're, you're going to have setbacks and it's not always going to be easy, but trust me when I say that the first time 
your dreams are realized and you're actually behind the controls of a jet and flying for whatever airline you want to be flying at, flying for, and, and, and you're flying it and you're doing it and you're like, you're like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I, I did it. It's a, it's a weird feeling. I was almost sad. When I, when I, you know, for so long, my dream was be an airline pilot, be an airline pilot. And the first time I actually flew that jet for the first time, I was kind of sad. I'm like, wow, like this actually happened. But instead of like feeling happy and like awesome, I'm like, now what? And I think, which it's interesting because it's like, and I think as humans, like we always, we try to look forward. I mean, like they're always, Mm -hmm. you always have like these, these goals ahead of you. And, And I think that's kind of a important thing to have is to well what's next enjoy it but stop worrying about always like hey like the future the future the future focus on the here and now um you know especially for people who are in training right now like talk to your peers like get to know as many people as you can like enjoy the experiences like and and like my brother, he's getting his he's working on his private pilot's license right now and he sent me a video of him in the uh He's in the control tower with a bunch of other oh, cool. other kids and they're all like joking around and laughing. And I texted him. I said, like, listen, like, enjoy these moments. Like, like right. these faces, these people, like they're going to be with you like for the next 20, 30 years. Like you're going to be in a random airport and at a random time, some, some middle of nowhere. And you're going to be like, oh, there's Jerry. Like I haven't seen Jerry in 20 years. Like we flew together back in X, like X, like, you know, this place. And that's what's the coolest part of that about aviation is just knowing that, you know, you can run into anybody anywhere, like how we ran into each other, you know? That's exactly. Just live in the moment, you know, have those goals. You're gonna have setbacks, but ultimately if you just work towards it every day, one percent better every day, you'll get there. That's awesome. That is solid advice. And I'm sure everybody who's gonna hear this. This amazing podcast is really going to benefit from, you know, everything that we've talked about. And, and that advice is absolutely amazing. I, you know, if I was upcoming and I heard that, it'll prepare me a little bit more for like, you know, hey, if you're performing good, something bad might happen that you, you know, you didn't perform as great. It's okay. You're going to keep going at it. And, you know, people who with experience saying it to other people who are upcoming means a lot. Mm-hmm. It means a lot to those people. So uh, thank you so much for sharing that, man. I know, you know, the whole point of this podcast is to inspire and impact people in such a positive way. And, and I think that every second of this podcast is doing just that. Thank you for the opportunity to have me on, Fernando. It's, uh, it's been great. Yeah, dude. So, uh, well, thank you so much for being here, man. I hope uh, everyone here gets to enjoy this podcast. I love learning more about your lifestyle, your goals, uh, the way you think, mental health, your fitness, everything. You're an awesome and genuine dude. Don't ever change, bro. Keep the content coming because it is authentic. It's genuine. It impacts people and you are truly awesome. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you. You keep doing your thing. Can't wait to have those tacos with you in Miami. For sure. And a workout. (laughs) And a workout. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. All right. Well, take it easy, bro. Great chatting with you. you. Great chatting with you, too. Bye. See ya.